Welcome to today's Lots of Matza Pizza Podcast. Today's guest is Damian Rhodes, the former Richfield, Michigan Tech, and NHL goaltender. We're going to get some great stories from Damian today about his days at Richfield and their epic run to the state tournament in 1986, as well as some great stories from Michigan Tech and his days in the NHL. We got some really good, good stuff here for you today. Hope you enjoy today's pod. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, good afternoon, Damien. Thanks for joining us today. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's pouring rain here today in Minnesota. How is it in Cleveland, Ohio? Uh, it's uh, actually sunshiny, if you can believe it. That doesn't happen very often here. It doesn't. So how does a guy like you who's played hockey all over the world end up in Cleveland, Ohio? I married a girl from Cleveland who wanted to move back to be close to her family and raise our kids in a normal Midwest environment. And she's probably been all over the world as well. She was a sportscaster, Amanda John, correct? That is correct. She was. We met in Atlanta when I played there. She was the first NHL female sideline reporter. She worked for Best Damn Sports Show, period, when that was around with uh, Tom Arnold. Yes. And, uh, was she on the show or was she in production? She was on the show. No way. Yes. And then and, uh, we lived in Arizona after I retired so we could uh, avoid some cold winters and golf in the winter. And uh, she worked for Channel 3, did entertainment reporting there. So she's been out of sports as well as sports, too. She's done everything. She has. She's even done weather. <laughs> well, did you ever think growing up in Richfield you would marry a, a, a weather girl? I never thought I'd ever leave Richfield, personally. but Really? Yeah. So I loved Richfield. I loved growing up there. I loved it. I didn't even want to leave the city limits. That's how much I loved it. So that's an interesting take. So when you're playing, so walk us through. Uh, you're just, uh, I mean, a really good goalie. Don't get me wrong. You're a, a good goalie, but not even. And I was a hockey nerd of all hockey nerds. I played against you, Southwest versus Richfield, and barely knew who you play. were. Ext I didn't play that game. When you played against us? Yeah, John Lee played. I, I remember. How do you remember that? Because there was such a buzz about Tom Chorsky. Yes. And all the scouts coming him to watch him play. So our, our team started talking about, hey, there's going to be scouts in those stands. This is your chance if you, you know, for our guys on our team. And I think Tom was a senior, so. No, that was, that was 85. That was 85. Yeah. So that was, you were a sophomore that year. Yes. So I was, we were definitely tandeming. Um, John was a junior. We tandem him actually both years. Yes, you did. Yeah. So it was his turn to play and he got, he got to get lit up by Chorsky instead of me. 
Yeah. Well, the next year we played you right at the end of the season, and you did not play that game, and I was hoping you would have played because I did score in that game against Richfield. <laughs> and I could have had the claim to fame of all claim to fames that I scored on the Damian Rose, but You're I didn't. Right. It was on somebody else. And it was literally the, the cheesiest goal ever. It was like basically from the hash mark, and the goalie had no idea. Why is this guy shooting from the hash mark? And it went off his skate and in, but hey, you know, they all count as one as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but a couple weeks later, you guys get in the playoffs uh, in Section 6 and barely get by Hopkins, right? I mean, 6-5. Did you play well, we in that? Played or we played Orno, Orno. first Yep. Uh, at home, Yep. and we, we spanked them pretty good. And then I guess it was my turn to play. So that's and how it worked. Okay, I got to hear this. Yeah, it was every other, and I didn't have a great game against Hopkins, and yeah, we barely won. 6-5. Yeah, it was so obvious I didn't have a very good game. And um, so I guess the next game, you know, obviously we're getting Edina. Yep. And I guess Mr. Thomas, <laughs> still call Mr. Thomas. You still, still calling that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yep. He must have had a premonition or a feeling that uh, it was for me. And I mean, which had to be kind of tough for him because John was a senior. Yep. And, you know, he'd been with him for three years and um, it's just, you know, I, he, he didn't back down and I played and the rest is history. I had a great game and there you go. So walk through that game. I, I don't, I can't find it. There's no score sheet available, but I yeah. was at the game. I can tell you yeah. practically what section I was. It was like JFK. I mean, like, where were you when Damian Rhodes beat? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I had Darby Hendrickson on like, Darby, do you remember being at the game? It was like, oh, yeah. I was eighth row, this row, you know, with my Richfield jacket. He had every detail of that game. Everybody remembers right. that game. It felt like it was like a, was either a Wednesday or a Thursday night, you know. I think it was a Thursday. I wasn't sure how many days off you had before because Saturday was the Minnetonka right. game, right? So I, Thursday night, I mean, our season was you over. Know, you're right. It could have been It could have been a Wednesday. I'm not even sure. It's not sure. Wednesday or Thursday. You know, and it was huge. It was it was absolutely huge. I mean, the whole it was like the world stopped when that Edina team with twelve right. Division One players, twelve Division One players. Like, think about that. We're on that. I don't roster. even know what their record was when going into it. It, it was absurd. I know that. Right. I know we I'm were. Sure, they had a loss, didn't they? Yeah, they had to have had. Yeah, I'm sure they did. That conference that you played in, which we could do an entire podcast about that conference. (laughs) You know, you were probably, Richfield was probably a lower third team in that conference, and they were in. We, yes. You know, and you guys weren't bad, but it was like that team was loaded, loaded. What do you. A couple of things I remember about that game is for some reason I went to Hatrick Hockey and I got a green stick because we're okay. playing Edina. So I had a green stick. Um, you Did you get it mom, that day? I, I think I got it probably within day or... Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, all right. I probably didn't even practice with it. I, don't, I didn't probably practice with it. And my mom wore a green sweater. I remember that. Instead of a red Richfield sweater, she wore a, a green sweater. And um, I had 39 shots. So I had 36 saves, and they got yep. a cheapie at the end. Yes. So they, they got one with three seconds left or whatever. So we had a 3-1 lead. Yes. And um, also, when 
the next day for practice. They didn't even book us at Richfield Ice Arena for practice because they didn't think we were going to win. So we ended up practicing at the pavilion on Edina's ice. That we can stop. We just turn the recorder off now, can't we? I mean, that's <laughs> that, that tells the whole story. Right. You probably used Edina's ice because they were ready to practice for Minnetonka the it, next it, day, right? It was their ice. Yes, it was their ice. <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to be the best podcast ever. This is going to be great. We haven't even gotten to the Minnetonka game yet. So, Minnetonka, right. you played much better, right? In, I, in theory. I think I don't even, you know, obviously, I, I remember the shots in the Edina game. I don't in the Minnetonka game. I remember I had a blue stick for Minnetonka. Nice. And I know we won two one. Yep. And it was just like I don't really remember much about it. I think I was just right riding that wave from the Edina game. And you know, just I didn't really have to I didn't think. I didn't, you know. So You were probably it, like almost in a you know, they say the zone. It was almost more like a coma, wasn't it? Like totally. I don't like I can remember a couple shots from the Edina game. I don't remember any and my recollection of um, a lot of that stuff is pretty good. And so at this point, you guys make it to state. And I, again, Darby was like, this was one of the greatest moments of his youth. It was watching his beloved Richfield make it to the state tournament, beating, you know, the juggernauts at Edina and Minnetonka from their, you know, probably their youth as well. So, Right. And then we hit another juggernaut, Hill Murray, our first game. I don't, that was unfortunate we got them first game. Yeah, that's, it's you know, I know you've moved away, but since then they've changed the, the uh, how the uh, seeding works. So they actually seed the okay. state tournament. One through one through five, and then it's kind of random for six, seven, and eight. So you probably would have got a little bit better draw, but you know you probably could have faced, end up facing uh, Jefferson or or Burnsville, Bemidji, or Bemidji. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There was no, there was no rest for the weary back then. uh, In in those, I think what hurt us too was you have a week layoff before the. state tournament if we would have kept playing i think it would have been better for us yeah if you would have played on the next day or two days later you would have been in high heaven now that team that team wasn't just a hot goaltender there was a lot of great athletes on that team uh before the show you talked to me about dan palmer was a great player tim potter was a great player who are some of the guys you remember with growing up and and the elation winning that winning that uh section so the 87 guys from my team were the Judding, the Judding twin brother Judding. Yep. Trent Makowski, Spencer Dahl, Tim Potter. But Tim was uh, older 87, so he didn't really play with us. In, he played as a freshman on the varsity team. Yeah. So, um, so as Bantams, you know, we had those guys, and I'm probably missing a couple. But, yeah, so we played, uh, you know, all the way up from Squirt. So... You know, we had plenty of success growing up too, but that was pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Now, do you do you stay in touch with any of these Richfield guys, or have you just you know now that you're kind of Hollywood and and ex NHLer, <laughs> uh, do you do you do you still stay in touch with these guys at all? Unfortunately, I haven't really um, since I, I left high school. I mean, I've been seems like I've been twenty other twenty other destinations. Yeah. And now I'm in Cleveland, and you know, last time I saw some of these guys was at our 30 year reunion. Okay. Um, I saw both the Juddings. I saw Tim. 
Um, unfortunately, Spencer passed uh, about 10 years ago. Um, so, and Tim, I know, had a battle with cancer that he's beaten. So, you know, <laughs> life has uh, definitely been moving on for all of us. Yeah, so you mentioned Mr. Thomas before. Mike Thomas was the coach at uh, Richfield. I knew his, his son, Tim, who played at Wisconsin pretty well, and he would tell me stories yeah. about his dad. It was just hardcore. And when we played Richfield, I just remember their coach. And, and Larry was on the bench, I think, when I was in high school too. What was it like having these guys, uh, you know, you know, p- pumping you guys up and getting you ready for, for the late conference? Um. What I remember most about Mr. Thomas is that I feared him. He was <laughs> I feared him too. <laughs> <laughs> he was a scary figure, man. I mean, here's this big, you know, pudgy, you know, round mound guy and just uh never smiled. And uh um, you know, it might have been his second year as head coach because Jake was the coach before that. Yep. And um so um you know, I just pretty much was a church mouse and did what he said and tried not to get in trouble or anything like that. So um, that was the deal there. And a funny story, um, you know, Tim, his son, played at Wisconsin. He was actually the last cut on the um, Olympic team. Yeah, on the 84 Olympic team. And the head coach of that team was Lou Vero, who I'm very super, super close with. Really? From USA yeah, from USA Hockey. He coached me on a couple of world championships. We still stay in touch. And every, it seems like every time I talk to Lou, I, I hear the same old recycle stories, but I love them. Um, but I always hear that one that he felt just feels so bad that he had to cut Tim while they were over there in France. I think it was in France where the Olympics was. And I remember uh, – Mr. Thomas and Sue, his wife, were on there. I think they had just landed, and they found out his son was cut. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I worked with Tim for a couple of years, and uh, we would have he would tell me some of the most R-rated stories about his dad. Uh, yes, <laughs> they were well, like I mean, nothing sure I could ex, share. They're probably X about Tim, but yeah, it was something bad. It was bad. But graduated with my sister too, so I kind of know him a little bit that way too. Well, funny you should mention your sister. So you have two sisters and a brother, and I'm sure they were you know, a, a, a part of the reason that you were a good goaltender. I'm, I'm sure they shot on you, and and they played. Uh, your brother played hockey. Was that a big yep. deal in your house? Was hockey a big deal, or was it all sports in your house? It was all sports, but obviously hockey was huge. Um, I would say hockey and baseball were my favorite, but obviously depending on the season, what, uh, you know, not like nowadays where you just play one, one sport every season. Um, it was seasonal for sure. And in the winter, my brother would be out in the driveway shooting on me with the tennis ball. And every spring we had to clean up the garage door, wipe the garage door off the tennis, all the tennis ball marks on it. I remember that. Yeah. And so my brother's seven years older. He was an 80 grad from Richfield. So, I was seeing some, he was whizzing some balls at me when I was, you know, eight, nine years old. So um, it kind of, kind of came norm where he didn't start flinching anymore. 
That's good training. So growing up, uh, you grew up literally in the shadow of Met Center and Metropolitan Stadium in Richfield. How often did you get there? Uh, was was were the North Stars a big part of your life? Were the Twins, the Vikings, uh, in that in that era before the Metrodome? Absolutely, the North Stars for sure were number one for me. Um, my dad had season tickets or partial season tickets. The North Stars, so I would get to go to five, six games a year at Met Center. Um, I mean, I love the twins. I love the Vikings still root for them today. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> I've kind of adopted the Indians though. They're, they're pretty good. Yeah. Well, um, they're in the same division. So I'm sure yeah, you get a chance to see them every once in a while. I do get to see them. Yep. But, uh, with the Vikings, it, obviously they only played eight games at home. So it was hard to get a ticket. Um, we didn't go very often. I, but I do remember going to one game at Metropolitan Stadium when they played the Eagles, I don't remember what year it was, but the Eagles were seven and all coming in and it was had to be 50 below at Metropolitan <laughs> stadium. And we were there at the game and they obviously upset the Eagles. Um, obviously the Eagles didn't win the Super Bowl that year, but I think they went to the Super Bowl. So th- that's definitely a memory that I had with my dad going to that game and just trying to stay warm and bundle up in the upper deck. Yeah, it was a that place was cold. Uh, yeah. So as a North Stars fan, I, we're relatively the same age, uh, off by a year. But mm-hmm. there were a lot of great goalies that came through uh, the North Stars. Um, you know, going way back to Cesar Maniago, all the way up to to Don Beaupre, who I learned through research, you guys were traded for one another, which is super bizarre if you if you think about it right it is yeah this is bizarre right i like yeah yeah, you know you probably emulated the guy at some point in your career uh who was your favorite north star goalie growing up joe malash was my favorite goalie growing up bar none and what was it about was it it was his style was demeanor the way he played was it his mask you know his mask was super cool you know his mask was super cool but just everything about him, the way he played. I mean, the way he got abused with shots and just battled all the time and kept his team in it all the time. And, you know, the North stars weren't, weren't great when we were watching them, but I mean, they were, they were fun to watch. And I mean, he was just, he would battle every night. And I love that about him. So you said your dad had partial season tickets, or whatever, and you, you got to go to a handful of games every year. What was your what, what's your recollection? You, you have two kids. What would you describe? How would you describe uh, the Met Center to to your kids or to anybody who's who's who never got to experience it? Um, I guess one thing that comes to mind is the different color seats in the lower bowl. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Why was yeah. that? <laughs> I have no idea why that was that way. And the lighting was spectacular there. The lighting was unbelievable how white the lights were, how white the ice was, and just how the sight lines were amazing. Yeah, it, to this day, it just I, that was the one thing. I, I remember how clean the place was compared mm-hmm. to other arenas that we went to. And I remember how when I skated there, the, how great the ice was. I, I expected the ice to be bad, but the ice was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, everything was great about it. it like. When you say the locker rooms, it seemed like we we're in a different locker room and I couldn't find my way to get to that locker room or how you got to the, out onto the ice every time because in the second, it just seemed like you're in a different locker room every time you played there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, as you as you progress through your career, um, 
you obviously made a name for yourself, literally made a name for yourself by beating Edina and, and Minnetonka, making it to state. You had another year of high school. Walk through the recruiting process your senior year. Uh, this is kind of when people were getting recruited. It was their senior year of high school. Uh, Richfield had another really good team that next year. I think you lost in the section semis. Uh, walk through your recruiting process at Michigan Tech and at all the other schools. Okay. Um, so... I don't personally, I don't probably didn't even matter what I did my senior year after those two games, my junior that I got looked at, but, um, that kind of put me on the map and, um, I did, I didn't have, a, I don't think I had a great senior year. I was probably just, uh, expecting things to happen magically. Right. Like they did those two games. So, um, I probably should have put in a lot harder work and, um, probably got interested in some girls that year. So, um, but the recruiting was Minnesota was interested. Paul Osby would come to the house. Um, I got calls from Lake Superior state, Miami of Ohio, Princeton. I remember Princeton calling and my dad answered the phone and they were asking him, so how are Damien's grades? And I just remember his comment. Well, he is no road scholar. <laughs> So I think that kind of did he get did he did he have a fun with that one? He had to have just oh yeah, my dad had had quick one liners, so I'm sure that ended the phone call and ended my possibilities of playing in the Ivy League. So that went by the wayside. Lake State was really interested. Frank Anzalone was the coach. Uh, Funny side bit was he ended up being my coach my first year in the pros in the minors for Toronto and Saint uh, in Newmarket, Ontario. For the New Market Saints, he was my head coach. So did did he remind you of that, or did you remind him of that, or did it come up, or how did he that come reminded, up? Yeah, he reminded me. Um, we did have a talk about it because he was on the phone call, and he offered a full ride and said, if I gave you a full ride and Minnesota gave you a full ride, where would you go? And he goes, well, well, Frank, I think I'd have to think about it, but I'm not getting a – Minnesota's not offered a full ride. And, and I think he took it like – there's no chance I'm going to go there, um, which he would have. I told him after the conversation, uh, if he would have probably waited a month because I hadn't heard anything from Minnesota, I hadn't heard anything from anybody else, I probably would have accepted the offer. Right. And, and we kind of just left it at that. Frank wasn't in much, much into conversation. So, right. Uh, so I just waited, you know, played out my senior year. I had really, a, you know, just no offers. And, um, Michigan Tech finally called at the end of the year said hey we want to bring you up for a recruiting trip I hadn't been to a recruiting trip to anybody really or a couple of my teammates had been like uh, I remember Tim Potter he went to Ohio State he went to I don't know if he went to Mankato or not he ended up deciding on Mankato which at the time was a division three school and I thought Tim you could have definitely played division one but I think he had in his mind he wanted to go there right um so Michigan Tech was really my only offer because Minnesota said, you know, we have two really good goalies under scholarship. One's a sophomore, going to be a sophomore next year. One's going to be a junior. They're not going anywhere. That was Johnny uh, Blue and Stauber, right? Yep. John Blue was a junior and Rob Stauber, who was a sophomore and won the Hobie Baker sophomore year. Right. <laughs> so I probably wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't play it at all until he was gone. And they're saying we could, you could walk on and practice and play with the JV. And that 
that's not what I wanted to do. I, I wanted my schooling paid for um, because uh, my parents had told, you know, we had, I was a third of four kids. They said, you know, we can't afford to pay, you know, we're not going to pay for one school and then pay for, you know, cause we can't right. pay for all our kids school. So, um, so I definitely wanted a scholarship and Michigan tech was offering a full ride. So when I went on the trip to, uh, to Michigan tech to check out the facilities and, um, Jim Carroll and Charlie Henrik, two Edina grads from the 86 team were there to, uh, greet me and, I just remember Bruce Horsch was our assistant. Um, t- told him before I came up that Damien Rhodes is going to be uh, coming to take a look at our school, and, and I was hoping you guys could show him around. <laughs> and I'm I'm pretty sure he told him, "Well, we don't want to do that. He's from Richfield. He's uh, he beat us the year before. They're pretty apprehensive, but they were uh, really cool and showed me around the campus, showed me their rooms, and told me about the school, and had no animosity towards me at all. So that was. Uh, really nice of those guys. So and, they they literally had they had to have at some point during this recruiting visit. You're with them for 24, 48 hours, however long you're there. At some point, the topic of the game had to have come up. <laughs> uh, if it did, it was probably very short lived, and um, I didn't I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to you know dig into old wounds or anything like that, and. Um, you wanted a scholarship too, so you didn't want to piss them yeah, off, right? Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, like I said, they were they were definitely gentlemen about it, and uh, um, went up being very good friends and playing together with Jim for three years and Charlie for one. Yeah, so Charlie was, as I like to say, he was a Hulk, you know, and, and I don't think there was a, a better defenseman in the whole state that year than Charlie Henrik. He just, you could not get around him. He yep. was such a great skater. He was so strong on his skates. It was like he was 18, but he had like a 24-year-old's body in, in, as a senior <laughs> in high school. I can only imagine what he was like in college. Yeah, like I said, he was only there one year in the year I you know, I was trying to get my feet wet too. I, I was the backup and, you know, um, he wasn't playing a lot either. So, um, it just seemed like he was playing spot duty. So I, I'm not really sure what happened there. Uh, what was Jim Carroll was the, uh, Metro co-metro player of the year that, that his senior year and had a good career at Michigan tech was, was he a character in in the locker? What was he like to play with? I mean, I can only imagine what, what it was like. I know I have him. He does a lot of officiating for us and I still have good friendship with him, but I can't imagine what he was like in college. He was hilarious. He, uh, he, I mean, it was the king of the one-liners. He, if you were doing something stupid, he would, he would lay into you and tell you how stupid it was, or make a funny joke on how stupid it was. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely in see fact, that. In fact, we were in New Hampshire. Okay. We were playing a EC. The the WCHA had a deal with the ECAC, where we would play games. They would. Sometimes one year they'd come to us, one year yeah. we'd go then. We went to, we went to New Hampshire and they announced the starting lap where you had to start on the blue line skate to the other side of the blue line after they announced their name. Right. Well, they announced starting goal for Michigan Tech number thirty one, Darren Rods is how they pronounce my name. 
and from this day still carrots still jim carroll still calls me darren rods yeah, he doesn't miss much, and you know he's a <laughs> he doesn't miss nothing. He misses doesn't miss much. No, that's right. You know, I I, I often get criticisms of my podcasts from. Right. Can I you imagine you that? Can you imagine me not getting it right and then getting a text later on? That's but the criticism is in such a good way. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I we could put a do a whole podcast on Jim Carroll. So <laughs> probably we could. That probably comes from his family broadcast casting background i'm sure oh yeah for sure absolutely um all right so bruce horse he was an assistant there at tech he had he had some minnesota ties and i think he was part of the reason that that there were so many minnesota kids that that were ended up there right that is correct he went to hastings high school he was on the 70 michigan tech teams that won the national championship with john rockwell who's from jefferson right um yeah, Horseshoe was at those games against Edina and Minnetonka, and uh, he told me he, after I went there, he told me that was the reason why um, that he picked me. And it worked out. I mean, it, you you kind of um, were a little down on your senior year, but uh, he saw something in those games that really, I mean, we saw it too. But you, you never know. I mean, those could have just been lucky, right? Those were right. just a lucky yep. couple of games, but it really turned into uh, you played three years at Tech and and then turned pro. Is that how it worked out? That's exactly how it worked out, and it was yeah, um, by far a great choice. Um, obviously, being a Minnesota kid, I wanted to go to the U, play for the Gophers, but I also wanted to play. Right, and that wasn't going to happen there, like. I said, I mean, I could have waited in the wings till Stavron Blue left, and who knows? I may not have played. And you get your best experience from playing the games. And um, I was fortunate uh, when I got my chance at Michigan Tech. I played well, and uh, I never looked back. Uh, right before, it was right after the 87 season, North Dakota wins the national championship with Ed Balfour. Yep. They called. Yep. I mean, this is obviously you had already pretty much locked and loaded at Michigan Tech, but right. Do yeah. you ever think like maybe what would have I gone to North Dakota? Right. Well, the deal was Balfour had not left. I think it was uh, yeah, Balfour had not left. They thought he was coming back for another year. And then he finally decided he was leaving late. And so they were panicking. They were looking for a goalie. And they, I had just committed to Tech. And a, a week later, I got a call from, it was probably Dean Blaze at the time. or Probably. And, yeah. And just said, are you interested? We have a full scholarship available here. And I, I said, uh, unfortunately I've committed to Michigan tech. I, I can't do it, which, you know, kind of did bum me out of time because of how good they were. And, uh, just what a good team or, you know, this college, you know, they're a college hockey powerhouse. And, um, so that's, that kind of bummed me out, but it ended up all working out. We actually played North Dakota our first year, our first round of playoffs that year and lost and double overtime of the third game. Yeah. It was kind of a bummer. So, so but, going yeah. back, uh, your first game at Michigan Tech, you're playing like the number one team in the country. Walk us through that big win. So, I think it was a Saturday. We had play, played them Friday and got spanked pretty good. They were undefeated, they were number one in the country. They, I think they might have been 
eight and oh, nine and oh at the time. And I got the call that I was going to play. And, um, you know, obviously they railroaded us the night before. And so I'm, I'm pretty nervous. It's, it's my, it's my first start as a, as a, uh, college hockey. I played some mop up duty against Wisconsin. Who's also really good that year too. Right. And, um, we end up winning four, three. I'm not sure if it was overtime or not, but, uh, Jim Carroll had two goals that game. I think one was a game winner. So it was a, a good night for Minnesota for sure that night. Did he pay you to say this? I mean, I know you made plenty in the <laughs> NHL, but you didn't really have to pump his tires anymore. <laughs> uh, and I, after the second, I just remember his celebration. He had some pretty good celebrations. I think he might've rolled the stick and, you know, uh, through the uh, Arsenio Hall in the air, stuff like that. Oh my God, this is good. This is really good. Uh, um, so at Tech, uh, any other fond, other great memories? Because when I think of Michigan Tech, it just seemed like you all don't I think of them, right? No, no, no. I have a <laughs> I have a very vivid memory as a hockey fan that the Winter Carnival is the biggest yeah. deal up there. Walk through what the Winter Carnival means to okay. a to a uh, a jock like you. Okay, so um, my freshman year there, they say Winter Carnival. It's the biggest year. We never lose on Winter Carnival. Right. It's just the, ma- the magic happens. Yes. So my freshman year, I, I have taken over the starting job there, and we're playing Duluth. And I don't have a great series, but our team plays unbelievable. And we end up sweeping Minnesota Duluth, who is a good team as well. Yep. And um, so that was my first memory. Like, just seems like, and they they give out a trophy at the end of the series, which is odd. Yeah. Uh, for just a series, of, but they give the you know Winter Carnival MVP and stuff like that. And so that was my first memory. Like, this is unbelievable. They don't lose the next year. We play. I think. Wisconsin, Wisconsin or Minnesota, and it probably was Wisconsin. They're number one. They're number one in the country. And I think they win it all that year, didn't they? In eighty nine, eighty nine, yeah, eighty nine. Yeah. Yes, yes. And they they come in and just railroad us. <laughs> so so the magic so wore I, off, right? Definitely wore off. I felt like I was a loser. I'm the first like Michigan Tech goalie to really bring down the Winter Carnival. It's so funny. So, there was a string there. I don't know. It was the nineties or two thousands. Yeah, there was, there was a long string there, and obviously they had to give the trophy to a Badger. Which yeah, probably was didn't sit well. Well, the next year we play Minnesota, and they railroad us again. They were really good that year, and I think Tom Chorsky, who I played with in Ottawa, probably who also played with that Southwest. I think he was the MVP, and you know he was. I think that might have been his last year before he went pro. You know, the winter car was always near the end of the hockey season. So, yeah. you know, he was probably end up going to the NHL right after the playoffs there. But, um, yeah, we just, I mean, I, you know, we, the, we just got railroaded those two years. And I do remember that about winter carnival, how great they said it was. And it was kind of cool around the city, like all these snow forts you're building. That's the coolest extent of it for me. What was it? I mean, was it just a big party or was it a yeah. celebration, a festival? All what was these it? fraternities, 
make these unbelievable fort huts like they like to be the Taj Mahal they like or the colossal roads or the sphinx or really you know, just, out of snow yeah out of snow oh, and they take, that's cool take some, yeah they take some months to do it i'm i'm sure some of these fraternity boys get all hammered up and sleep in those things and um but yeah they have contests who has the best fort who has the most innovative like you know they have prizes for all that stuff and people come to town do they have like moving parts like like mechanics do it too i'm sure they do i mean <laughs> probably nowadays probably so, big big screen tvs and those things now and everything yeah that is kind of cool um the uh just the whole now now i went to a michigan tech mankato state game a few years ago and my i i barely i can't even tell you won the game but i remember out of the corner of my eye the the band the pep band was yes. the craziest yes. thing i've ever seen i was like and i'm with a buddy who went to michigan tech i'm nudging i go is it always like this he goes it's always like this it's yeah. a freaking sideshow was it like that yeah. when you were there it was, yes. And they were always behind the visitor nets and they always had these black and yellow striped pant uniforms. I just remember that. And they had their other their instruments they would play and the songs they would play and how they danced to it and all that. That's I totally remember that. That was great. So the one recollection I have of this game was one of these guys had a nut cup over his shorts or something. And I looked at my buddy and go, is that a nut cup? He goes, yeah, it's probably a nut cup. Like, just to so how weird it was, right? It was over his face. Yeah, probably. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, one more Michigan Tech, and this is going to segue into your NHL. I believe here on your hockey database, you have a goal recorded in college and pro. Let's walk through your goal scoring career here. Uh, okay. how, how, let's go through the first one you scored at Michigan tech all right we're playing colorado college it is a saturday uh we had just won friday um we're not a very good team that year either right um, we give up average about 60 65 shots a game and we're winning this game near the end of the it's near the end of the game and they dump, <clears throat> they dump it in the corner or they dump it at me i push it in the corner their guy goes to get it, fires it back to the point man, all the way down in their net. The goalie just pulled. We, I am getting credit for the goal. <clears throat> Excuse me. We win like five three. So I think I was actually player of the week that week. I had over 120 saves and a goal. Yeah, and we had a, a defenseman on our team, Jeff Saint Cyr, who was a junior. Yep. Um, who was. A, you know, a stay-at-home defenseman, obviously, drafted, uh, had not had a goal his whole college career uh, as a junior. So I I passed him as a sophomore <laughs> on the goal-scoring list, and he would probably play 20 minutes a night. Did you ever give him a hard time about that? I didn't have to. Everyone else did. Okay, right. All right. Good enough. Good enough. I love finally it. Finally, his senior year, he got two goals that senior year. He ended up passing me up. <laughs> I wonder is Jeff Sancier the one he's there was a good goalie. Um uh, no relation. No relation. But you know who I'm talking that, about, right? That is Monica Rayom's son. Uh, Manon Rayom's son. Son, yes. yes. But it's yeah. a Sancier. So I think, well, maybe there's it a connection is. there. 
No, I don't believe there is. All right. Well, good good goalie uh, facts there. I like it. I like it. <laughs> we'll get to a few more goalies later that you played with in the pros. Uh, before we get there, uh, back home after college uh, or during college, you got to work uh, the Metrodome parking lots. What What's that all about? I mean, was that as... So it was actually high school. Oh, is this high school? Okay. All right. Yeah, it's high school. Uh, Dan Palmer's dad worked for the Star and Tribune and the Star and Tribune all, owned all the parking lots around the Metrodome because that's where the Star and Tribune was. And for every event, they needed kids or kids or employees to park cars and take the money from the people uh, going to the game. And uh, Dan Palmer uh, was obviously one of the workers because his dad was also a worker and worked at the Star and Tribune. And um, he asked me if I want to do it and I jumped on it. Plus, I found out a lot of twins would park in those parking lots. I remember uh, Lamberdozzi would be there. Ken Herbeck, Gary Gaetti would park in our lots. Obviously, they weren't charging them to park in the lot. Right. And they were coming in with nice Mercedes and stuff like that. So uh, Kirby Puckett. So it was kind of cool working down there. Uh, that's kind of a good segue. You, you see these pro athletes, you become a pro athlete three years at Michigan Tech. Walk through your pro career like, you know, you start off in the minors. You had two years of minor league hockey before you actually... Uh, three years. Three years. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Bad research. <laughs> I, I, it seemed like there's a lot of, when there's two teams, like you're up, you're down, you're right, up, you're yeah, down. That, it's it's a little plus, tricky. Plus, one of my minor league, I started in Newmarket, and then that team moved to St. John's, Newfoundland, so that's how it kind of kind of gets kind of screwy. Yeah, it does. Um, eventually you make it up to the pros and you're playing in Toronto with Grant Fuhr. Is this, is this true? That is true. I mean, um, that's, is that a dream come true or a nightmare all at the same time? I mean, cause he's a legend. Definitely a dream. Yeah. Total dream. Total sweetheart of a guy, not a care in the world. Like water falls off his back, like a duck, like nothing bothers that guy. So he, I, I can see why he was a perfect goalie for that Edmonton team who give up, you know, score 10 goals, but give up five or six. He didn't care about his goals against average that way. He cared about winning. Yeah. And he, and at that point, you somewhat replace him, right? And and then start trading time with, with Felix Potvin? No. No? no, that's not. <laughs> so we had Grant Fear, yep. Rick Wamsley, Darren Pupa, Felix Potvin, and myself down in the minors. Wow. So I was like fifth man on the totem pole. Oh, so you barely got in. I wasn't even supposed to be slotted at all. Right. But but Felix was a first round draft pick or maybe a late second. So yeah. they really wanted Felix to come in, be their goalie for the future of the system. So Fear and Wamsley both got hurt. And so they had to put Felix into action. And when he went up there, he played unbelievable. So that made fear expendable. Right. So they ended up trading him to Buffalo for Dave Anderchuk and Randy Wood. So uh, fear is gone. So I move up one slot. But Darren Pupa comes over that in that trade. So I'm pretty much in that same slot. Playing then, in St. Uh, John's and then playing yep. up and so back, I right? Actually, I was a backup in St. John's. So once Felix went up permanently, I got to be at the top job top spot in the minors which was great so i got to play all the time uh before i wasn't playing at all right um you know it's just spot duty and but before that you know the our first year it was felix and i in st john's 
we made it to the Calder Cup Finals um, against Adirondack Red Wings. Barry Melrose was the coach uh, for the Red Wings. Alan Bester was their goalie with the Red Wings, who was on his actually on his way down, but trying to make a comeback. Right. And um, so playoffs, I didn't play at all that year because Felix is their guy. Yep. He's going to, and uh, so we get to the finals against Adirondack, who's got a stacked team as well. Chris Tansel is one of the guys on the team from uh, WCHA days. Yep. Um, and Felix, we go 0 and 2. We lose both our games at home. So Mark Crawford is our coach. Um, wow. And he decides to throw me in, in, in Adirondack, and I win in overtime. And then he throws me in again. I win again. And uh, so I get two games in the Calder Cup finals. Go back to our place for game five. I lose 3-2. And Felix plays the rest of the way. No team wins a home game that whole series. We lose 4-3. Um, so that was my first really playoff exposure uh, in pro hockey. So that went really well. And at this point, like you're, so you, you have played, you know, in high school hockey in Minnesota, you played in the WCHH, which is somewhat of a cocoon yep. of hockey. Now you're seeing what Canadians are like when it comes to hockey. Was this a, a little bit of a baptism for you as to what pro hockey was going to be like? Definitely. Uh, it was definitely way more intense. Um, I mean, WCHA is a good league, but back then uh, there weren't a ton of guys coming out of college playing. No. Um, you know, the game was a lot more physical where the college hockey was all about speed. And, and um, so, yeah, it was, it was really intense and um, you know, it, but it was good. I mean, it was kind of, fit my bill where the teams I was on, I was still seeing a lot of rubber, which was kind of what I've always had growing up. And, you know, I, right. was, I always felt I played better when I saw more, more work. So that, that was a good thing. So, so you played, uh, it says here anyway, three seasons with the Leafs spot duty. Cause it's like 22 games was the most you played yep. in a season. Was this backing up Felix then for yes, those three seasons? I've, in fact, I only backed up Felix okay. as uh, as a leap, even in the minors. I mean, there are a couple of games where he was hurt or uh, Wamsey was hurt, and I backed up Fear. I backed up Wamsey a couple of times, and Fear was hurt. But but for the most part, it was behind Felix the whole time. And what's what what's he like? What's because sometimes the relationship is is warm, and sometimes it's cold. What was your relationship like with Felix? Our relationship Felix? was was really warm. Because okay. we knew our spots. Uh, yep. We knew he was the chosen child. I was the sixth rounder just trying to make a name for myself. And whenever I could get in was great. But I was going to, you know, it was his it was his team. It was his lead. And I was just going to be a, a good teammate. And it ended up working out where when he, you know, needed a break or needed to, uh was struggling a little bit. I would come in and, and fill, fill the void. And, you know, fortunately for me, I played well every time, you know, when, um, when uh, he needed a break or whatever. And you were fresh. I mean, if you're playing 16 to 20 games right. in a season, you're ready. Right. I mean, you're as sharp as you're ever going to be, aren't you? I'm sharp. Rick Walmsley had me on the top of my game. I mean, he was drilling me every day in practice. I mean, 
I ended up hating practices because I would be out there an hour after everybody just doing movement stuff. And, and, but it definitely, I mean, it, it made me way better. Yeah. So a little bit different than your senior year at Richfield, right? Where you said you kind of <laughs> took some time off here. You're putting in the time you probably should have done at Richfield, right? I should have, um, you know, obviously you only get an hour ice when you're playing ice yeah, hockey. I'm joking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But uh, obviously when you're, you're that young, you know, you're kind of naive and um, you need someone to push you along. And I think that's where a lot of this individual coaching has come from these days. Right. Uh, and you're doing a little bit of that on the side now with the, with the youth minor program in Cleveland, correct? That is correct. Yep. How many hours is this like a, a full-time gig or just kind of when you have some time? So it's, it's a full, a full-time, like if someone needs me, I, I'm there for them. Like uh, if you have a homeschooled kid who wants to come out during the day when there's ice available, I'm there for you. Um, Are you using yeah, a full sheet? Cause a lot of like stopper has yeah. got a place here where he's got right. this little mini sheets. This is, you're on a full sheet ice. Which is awesome because obviously during the day, I mean, Cleveland is different, you know, they don't, their ice isn't booked 24 seven, like it is in Minnesota. Right. And, and I've gotten to be good friends with the rink manager at the one rink. And she said, Hey, I got no one using ice here. If you want to throw this out and see if anyone wants it, then we take it. And she gives it for real cheap because right. otherwise it's going to lay vacant. Right. That's cool. All right. So back to the NHL. So you, you worked your way through uh, three years in, um, in uh, Toronto and now you make your way to Ottawa. Was this kind of like a, a breath of fresh air? I mean, despite it being a pretty young franchise, you were going to get a chance to play. So I was loving Toronto. Um, we were a really good team. We had, I mean, I had some really good teammates and, you know, we were good. We went to the uh, conference finals. Uh, actually we went two years in a row. We went to the conference finals. Right. And then uh, we lost to Chicago in the first round of the third year. And I was, I was getting settled there. I was, I was liking it. Um, kind of getting settled into my backup position. Yeah. Carried a lot less pressure than the starting position. And then. And a nice paycheck uh, too, right? I mean. Yeah. A decent paycheck, not starter, not starter money, but uh, definitely, uh, you can, uh, you know, have a nice, a nice life off of it. And Toronto, and, uh, I mean, People don't realize what an unbelievable city Toronto yeah. is and how important the the Maple yeah. Leafs are to the city of Toronto, almost yeah. like the Yankees are to the to, Correct. to New York. And I had no no idea. I thought, you know, the Minnesota North Stars growing up in Minnesota was the end all be all of any hockey existence. And we thought the and we thought the Leafs kind of stunk. They were like a crappy yeah. little team, they, right? They were kind of really crappy when I watched them play. I mean, right. The and the North Stars and, beat up in them in the Snorris. And we and we got a million people in this town. There's 5 million people. Yes. And it's like Chicago. No was, yeah, I right? had no idea how big it was. And then, you know, I came up through the system. And I think a lot of people thought I was Canadian and from Toronto, so that kind of it's good for me. Right. They would do that. It's not this American kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. You talked like him, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, you, you played Toronto. You moved to Ottawa. What was. Yeah, I get traded to Ottawa. Uh, Rick, I'm downstairs on the bike after practice. Rick Wamsey tells me, don't go anywhere today. Just hang around. So I, he says, go downstairs, ride the bike, and work out. I had no idea what was up. And then he comes, I've been on the bike for like 10 minutes. He goes, you've been traded. I go, oh, 
no, because I'm, I, I have a girlfriend there. I'm, I'm happy there. And I go, where'd I get traded? He goes, the Islanders. I go, oh, great. I get to go play in the United States. He goes, yeah. three way through the Islanders. You went to the Islands first and then you're going to Ottawa. And I go, oh, Ottawa, they're terrible. <laughs> they had 18 wins, I think, the year before. And they, uh, they're just no good. Uh, they, you know, they get beat up by everybody. And so I get traded there. I get picked up by the media guy when I land. I've never been to auto. I've been to auto once. I, we were there in and out. Like, yeah. Get, got in at, at night, left after the games, never even saw the city, never knew anything about it. And get picked up the airport driving. He's taking me to the hotel and he said, Oh yeah, we just fired our coach today. Bon- was it bonus? <laughs> it was Davey Allison. Okay. All right. He was the second coach that year. They fired bonus earlier. Okay. I got it. Fired, right. So they fired, they go through two coaches um, that, that year. We put, we fired a coach. We haven't hired a new one yet. Uh, we have practice tomorrow, which is a Wednesday at actually it's a Thursday. We, and we play Pittsburgh that day. And we, you know, they have Lemieux. Yeah. Right. Everybody. Yeah. There's Stevens, Kevin Stevens. Yes. <laughs> Ronnie Francis. And that's, so we have pregame season, 1030 pregame skate. And they just opened up this new rink. It's probably been there for two weeks. It's on the is other the side Corral of the center. What well, was the Corral yeah. center? Right? It was palladium that, at oh, that time. okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, uh, Trevor goes, Tom Chorsky will pick you up in the morning and uh, take you to the rink. <laughs> I said, at least I get to go to, with a Minnesota guy. Right. And so we're the rink, drive to the rink is 25 minutes. So we're talking away there. And he's mostly talk, telling me about the city, about the team players. Um, you know, Tom came from New Jersey where he just won know, a cup. Yeah. So, so this is a shit show. And, yeah. He's at basically uh, the, one of the most professional organizations from the, one right, of the least professional yeah. from the most to the least. Right. right. Yeah. And, and, and you're goes, coming from Toronto, get, right? Where it's, it's, yeah, it's where, gold as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cliff Fletcher, Pat Burns, you know, you know, really steady organization. And he goes, we don't even have a coach yet. And so we get in the locker room. I'm getting introduced to all the players. They have a, so many European players on a the team. They introduce themselves. I can't even pronounce their names. And yeah. So we so we have our. I'm at this point. It's like Daniel Alfredson, those type of guys, right? Yes, I yep. can understand him because his English is pretty good. But Radic Bonk, I couldn't understand what his name was. Stan Netscash, Franasek Musil. So, um, so uh. We're getting ready to go on the ice for our pregame skate. Nobody knows who's going to run the skate. Pierre Gauthier comes in. He's the GM. Introduces himself to me because first time I met him. Yep. <laughs> Just straight for, And then he introduces Jacques Martin as our head coach. And Jacques goes around the room and he says, we'll go on the ice. We'll run a couple drills. And then we'll get ready for tonight and we'll reassess everything. You know, let's just get through this this weekend. And, uh, we'll, you know, we've got a couple days off. We'll, we'll get things going in the right direction. Well, we have a morning skate against Pittsburgh that day. And I'm nervous as hell. I haven't played in a long time. Um, and it's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm slotted as their new starter. And 
just a lot of uncertainty. You know, uh, my dad had passed away earlier that year. So, you know, I was pretty fragile. And I just remember having a, a pretty good morning skate. And then I remember the guys coming off the skate and I'm getting my stuff off. shorts <laughs> in. That was the best practice we've had all year. <laughs> the morning skate. <laughs> a 20-minute morning skate. Well, we had a plan decent, but we lose 4-2 to Pittsburgh. And then um, we end up playing Toronto two nights later, my my old team. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 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 No. Sorry. We played. Actually, we played Detroit first, who was really good. Really good. As good as and they get, played, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, Fedorov, Eisenman. You know, we played them first. And then we played Pittsburgh that Saturday, another good team. And then the following Saturday, we had the week. We played Toronto, my old team. So I get I get to go against my my first three games are Detroit, Pittsburgh, and my old team, and wow. we ended up tying tying that game. And from there, I played like I think seventeen, eighteen games in a row. And so uh, you're basically going from like uh, uh, no, no running to a marathon. Yes, exactly. And it ended up working out really well. I got a new contract, and um, they brought in Tugnut, which. Uh, you know, he wanted a number one job too. So like, there was a little friction there. Um, while we're playing, we're, we're buddies now, but, um, at the time, you know, I, I didn't play that great. He was playing good. And then, um, the next year was much better, but, uh, it was, it was tough there because it was one, one, a, and, you know, one and one, a, yeah. So there was never really, you know, and when you want to go into a, playoffs you kind of wanted a clear-cut guy at the time you're the 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 two years they did two good seasons while you were there one where you yeah. got to you you went a long ways right was that was that the dyed hair year 97 98 yes. oh we yeah, got to talk about it. that right because it's weird <laughs> the next year 98 99 um you won your you won your division yes but got, we but were, got beat right well we ran into Hoshik, which was right I mean, which isn't Right. You had to pretty much throw a shutout if you're going to beat him. Right. It seemed like, you know, he only give up one goal max. And the game, uh, I didn't even start that series. And then I got thrown in after we lost the two games. And I played really good and we lost in double overtime. And we were down 3 0 and we were pretty much cooked after that. All right. So, but the year before, let's we go were through the it. AC. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. it but it, it starts, the dyed hair starts before the season ends, right? It does. We're, there's probably a month left in the season. And you're like seven, you know, you're on the bubble, right? Like, are we going to make it? Or are we not? Yes. We're, and there's a lot, there's like a log jam at, yeah. you know, seven through 12. 11. Yeah. 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 So, and yeah, go ahead. I gotta hear. How did you dye dye the hair? Where where did it come from? Who put it, who put the bottle in your hair? <laughs> so the guy who cuts my hair, you know, I was due for a haircut, and my wife was just in there. She, you know, would go there every week to get her nails done, or hair done, or, or whatever. And I was due for a hair haircut, and she happened to come in with me. He goes, "Let's get a little crazy here, and let's dye your hair." And she goes, "Yeah, let's do it." And, and you're like, whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the way I am. Like, if you say I'll do it, you know, I'm pretty laid back that way. Uh, I'm not a big decision maker. I let everyone else make the decisions for me. And um, I guess being a goalie, that's maybe 
part of the reason because your coach is always telling you who's playing. You don't you don't go to him and tell him you're playing. Right. So unless you're like Patrick Waugh or whatever. But right. Uh, so I did it and I came to the locker room that next day and everyone was like shaking their head at me and Jack came just came into the, into the room for the team meeting, looks at me and uh, kind of goes shakes his head and smirks and he goes all right here's the starting lineup for tonight and uh i ended up winning and uh winning and kept winning so i kept playing and um uh we made the playoffs so i dyed my hair again for this first round of playoffs we made we made it as ac i think we made it on the second last night of the regular season we beat florida right and um um, we get New Jersey first round, number one seed. I think they won the cup the year before. Yep. And, uh, which was great for me because, um, uh, with me and Tugger, we, uh, it seemed like he'd always play us against certain teams. He thought we had success against and New Jersey was my team. And actually Washington was always the team. He always played well against it. So he always got to play against them. And so we get New Jersey first round for number one seed. And uh, we go in there and win game one. And uh, so get definitely get off on the right track, winning overtime, playing against Martin Berdur. And um, we end up winning in six games. So uh, it's a big deal. Like It's like the number one. Talent's season. going crazy, I bet, right? Yeah, crazy. Every every kid, every like bar manager starts dyeing their hair blonde. No. My mom, yes. My mom is in town at one of the, like, uh, places that a lot of the team goes to or fans go to and she gets a picture with all these waiters with blonde hair that is and, and the thing is you had you had done you had frosted tips a few different times before that yeah, so it wasn't after like after that we try to do frosted tips you know to keep the magic alive but um you know obviously did not have the same effect but it, it, you know it held its own it, you know it was it was that time period like whatever it is now it's like having the flow now isn't it yes it is yes it is it's it's huge it's huge all right so amongst other things i'm sure goaltenders always have a lot of superstitions i have one specifically that i read on your wikipedia page that during home during the playoffs you would actually stay in a hotel versus staying in your own house is this true that is absolutely true all right and uh the reason I did it, well, first I, first of all, I didn't know it was available. Then they mentioned it was available. And then I thought, you know, this is a great idea. But I've been playing great on the road. I get my routine. Uh, I can do the same thing at home that I do on the road. And I did have company in town. So it was a good not to have that distractions when our house was full or my mom was there, my sister, brother, whatever. So, uh, I would go in the hotel and do the same thing I'd do on the road, except the only difference was our morning skate would be an hour earlier. Oh, that's not bad. So uh, speaking of hotels, I, I texted my friend Tom Chorsky. We brought his name up a couple times here, and he said, I go, is anything specific stand out about Damon? He's like, he's the neatest person I ever roomed with in my life. He was the guy who would take all of his clothes, every last sock out of his suitcase and put it into the drawers on the road, make his bed, the whole deal. Is this is this true or is this is he making up some wives tales here? Truism. <laughs> 
You still do it, right? Probably. I still do it. I mean, this quarantine has made me do it even more. Really? Got to do something around the house where I got to clean. So, yes, that is true. And I just retain it, pertain it to being part of my routine where it's just going to lock, lock me in and, uh, you know, one less thing to worry about. Got it. All right. So there's gotta be some goalie superstitions that, uh, come with, uh, playing as long as you did. Did you have any specific that you just, you'd get a rash if it didn't do it? Yes. I had to put on my left skate first, then my right skate, my left pad. Um, I had to, when I got undressed, my shoes had to be pointing out. So I'm always going forward. Uh, if I'm hanging my stuff up, my skates had to point out, which is always going forward or to the right, which is the right way. Yep. Um, it was stuff, some stuff you pick up. And then, you know, I watched Tugger. He would do the same, a lot of the same things at the same time. I noticed he would get up like at the five minute mark to put on his thing. So yeah, he just, you know, it gets pretty mundane. You just, you know, it's like Groundhog Day. You just start doing the same stuff over and over again. And, uh, you know, uh, I always had to, uh, you know, make sure my bed was made, all, all that stuff. Now, it's it said in, in, in your my research here that you refused to, ch- if you got tr- you traded the midseason, you wouldn't change the color of your pants. That is not true. Not true. Okay. All right. So the internet was wrong for once, right? Yes. Yes. All right. So. I wanted to change and I just couldn't find the pair I wanted. Oh, so you like. didn't do it. It wasn't like it wasn't by, by will. You just, it's just because you didn't. Yeah. Do. The blue pads I got in Toronto. Then when I went to Ottawa, I just, they were just like slippers to me where they felt good. I could move great in them. And I just kept trying the new ones. They kept sending me the black ones. I just, I, and back in the day, it was so much harder to break in pads than it is today. Right with all how heavy stuff was and you know today it's like they go through probably 10 pairs of pads 10 pairs of skates you know i would change out my cowlings you know once a month so that that wasn't the case i just i couldn't get out of them just because i was so used to them and they i i didn't feel like i could play as well in another pair all right, last NHL-related question, a couple more, but just the, this one specifically. You have a goal in the NHL as well. Walk us through uh, the goal you – we'll put air quotes on it. You scored in, in, in against New Jersey. I did. Uh, it was actually um, 1998, okay. January 2nd, 1998. I think there's still a YouTube thing out on yep. it. Yep. I saw um, like five of them doing the research. Okay. They're hilarious. Okay. Some kid yeah. like who wasn't alive did a huge expose on it for like five minute expose. It's hilarious. Yeah. So um, we were playing New Jersey um, and we're winning one nothing in the first period. And um, there's a delayed penalty and they take a shot on net. I block it to the corner. And, you know, sometimes if you touch it, they'll blow the whistle. But uh, the ref was down Van Massenhove, and he felt like I didn't control it. No. And I just blocked it to the corner. Lyle O'Line went to pick it up, pass it back to the defenseman. Mark Sanbrador went to the bench for an extra attacker. All the way down their net, I scored the second goal. Sec- uh, we're winning 2 nothing in the first period. So a couple, probably Tibbet, um, is... I don't know if a goal has ever scored in the first period, 
Right. For one, I was the first goalie ever to have a goal in a shutout in the same game. We won six nothing. Yep. And- well, a caveat on that is if I would have let one in, I would have got the game winner. Yes. That would have been even more special, right? Yes. That would have been kind of cool, too. But uh, Jose Theodore ended up, I think, a couple years later having a goal in a shutout in the same game. So he tied my feet. Um, he also shot the goal in. So that's even better on yeah. his part. Did you ever have and any Did you ever any shots at, at a goal when, in your day? No. Plus, I'm a right-handed shot who plays left-handed. So yeah. that did not help. So, hi, guys. Uh, Sorry. Um, so yeah, that, um, I probably still came by. I still couldn't shoot it all the way down the ice, probably left-handed. Really? Definitely right-handed. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was the deal there. And, oh, there was one other thing I want to say about the the goal that I can't remember now. I will, I will see if this jogs your memory after the game, you were announced the player of the game. (laughs) Yeah. And I think yeah. I think this comes full circle because you did a Jim Carroll like celebration. I did. Right? I, I threw my stick in the trigger and that was one of his nicknames was Trigger. It was Jim Carroll's self proclaimed nickname. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Oh so this he is... was actually Jim Carroll. Obviously he had he had red hair or orange hair. That's how he got carrots. Yep. Carroll carrots. And then it, for a while, it just became roots, shortened carrots to roots. Yeah. And then, see, I don't think he liked that, so he went with Trigger. Trigger, right. Yeah. So you, you did do, and literally, I'm doing this, you know, the research for this, and I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. And then I saw the celebration after the, the, the goal. You know, and it, was, and, and yeah. it was somewhat in jest, don't you think? You kind of had a little bit of a shit-eating grin on your face oh, when you yeah. did it, right? It was great. I think probably guys were proud of me to do it stuff like that so it was really good all right the other thing i remember is every it seems like every january 2nd i get a call from some media outlet wanting to know about the goal really yeah especially uh in 2018 20 years later i think i got like eight calls on it really Oh, I might have to do that to you some near. Just send you some random <laughs> text go, and yep. you know interview you and make you feel uncomfortable. So, uh, all right, wrap it up here. You 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 end your career in Atlanta, um, in, in one of the most unstoried franchises in the history of hockey. What are your recollections of playing in Atlanta? Uh, well, I try not to that much because it was kind of the beginning of the end for me. Yep. Um, I got injured a lot. Um, my first year there, I, I, um, sprained my ankle. It was out three months after the first month. And then while I was rehabbing for my ankle, I, uh, blew out my meniscus. So I had a, uh, on top of that ankle rehab, I had a niece, you know, a knee surgery that I had to rehab. So, um, the only like thing I really remember about Atlanta, two two things are, I got their first win, first shot out, and my last game ever in the NHL was against my old team Ottawa. Uh, I made a spectacular save on Daniel Alfredson. We won in overtime, 
and it was my 99th win and that that was kind of that's it. it. I never got. I never got to 100. I got 99 wins. And you know what's funny is uh, your goals against average lifetime. You know what it is in the NHL? It's a 277. No, not goals against your save percentage. Uh, 899. <laughs> <laughs> 0.001 from 90. percent How crazy yeah. is that? What bad yeah. luck, right? One more save. Totally. Because that was our. That was what us and goalie coaches would talk about. Our goal was to have 90%. Right. 90%. Yeah. I, I know it's gone up these days, but yeah. Uh, um, yeah, that was our goal. And yeah, there you go. That was my <laughs> last stupid question. Like 0. 0.899. <laughs> right. How do you feel about the stats guy? Can't you just give me one more save? Right. It's kind of typical of my life. I'm like always right on the cusp there of greatness, but you know, just, just over average mediocre or whatever. Oh, I thought uh, this podcast was definitely uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was a blast. We got to learn about all the goalies you played with, Met Center days, Richfield days, and we and we pumped uh, Jimmy Carroll's tires yeah. to, to no end. Um, I, I appreciate the call, too. It gives me a chance to talk, talk some hockey, um, you know, it's kind of few and far between in our household where we don't have any hockey players and being in Ohio where they play hockey here, but you know, it's not as intense as uh, Minnesota, maybe 10%. Uh, uh, yeah. On a hundred percent scale for Minnesota. Well, it's neat. You have a, a nine-year-old son, a 13-year-old daughter. If you, you know, it is, it, we are in a quarantine still. I think you could twist their arm. They might want to listen to this, listen to dad talk about <laughs> something other than them doing their homework. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. Even and, and probably get your wife to listen for a half hour or so to get a good yucks uh, as to what a bad I, media I, personality I, you are. Maybe you put it on Bravo TV, she'll watch it. Yeah, she might. She might. Yeah. Well, this was fantastic. I really appreciate your time. And I don't know how I would ever meet you in person, but if I if I ever get close, I'm going to look you up and uh, I'd love to shake your hand and uh, and shoot the bull a little bit more. This was a blast. All right, Tony. I really appreciate it, too. Damian Rhodes, Richfield, Minnesota's own, is here on the Lots and Lots of Pizza podcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show.